Uh, I work front desk at a hotel. I had some homeless guys come in and uh, spend the night sleeping there in the lobby. And I started speaking with one of them after uh, maybe 4 or 5 a.m. because I worked overnight. And um, he basically started saying a lot of things that were really far out, you know, mathematical numbers and uh, Atlantis and all these things, right? All these sort of far out notions about uh, life, universe, Andromeda galaxy. <laughs> and it was uh, it was almost something where I, I just continued to listen to him. And I just continued to speak with them, basically seeing if if there would be any kind of links, like what he was saying was something that I'd resonate with, or if there was a coherent message, you know, if, if, uh, if he's channeling or if he's tapped into Akashic records or something like this. <laughs> and I basically ended up just seeing myself in him, seeing how mm-hmm. I do the same thing with spiritual information. And mm-hmm. that when I'm talking to people who wouldn't understand some of these things, it's like I'm, I'm the crazy homeless person because uh, they, yeah, but yeah, it's a good reflection. Mm. And then, so it was almost like I was really uncomfortable <laughs> with the experience <laughs> because I was like, dang, that is, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. but I guess my question would be, what, um, what, what you can kind of work on to see yourself when you're speaking on things you don't really know, like you don't really perceive yet. Stop speaking. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, Having this ability to just cut, cut it out a little bit uh, sometimes. I think in the beginning, there's, especially if you find like gnosis or anything, like it's, there's so much excitement. And because we haven't mastered the control of our speech and the control of what we do and the way we see and the way we interact with others, uh, there's not a lot of control there. And yeah, we just share mindlessly and aimlessly uh, with others. And it's funny because we can even talk about becoming awakened and becoming uh, growing in consciousness to others, yet we're not aware of the possible damage uh, that we're creating in that moment towards another person. Maybe we're even pushing someone else from the spiritual path because we're not even awakened enough in those moments uh, of ourselves. And uh, because of this sort of, this ego of excitement, and sometimes I think in extreme uh, ways, it can lead to ego of fanaticism as well. So... But, oh, yeah. Well, I, I guess I know that fan, fanaticism, it's a kind of a low level of being, of course. And yeah, I'm, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I think it's just a good thing to just practice, just practice. If, you know, spirituality is, is really about uh, practicing in the moment and having self-awareness and self-observation. And if you would like yourself to benefit more Uh, to grow in actual awareness rather than growing in intellect, then it's just a good practice to observe yourself in those moments. It would be better to observe yourself in inner silence rather than just letting yourself be identified with dreams, no matter how spiritual or amazing those dreams might be. So 
yeah, I think the I think you should thank that homeless person for <laughs> showing you a, a reflection of yourself and I think helped so you too. I think mm. so too. You would have never been aware of that if you weren't ready for this next level uh, of being and, and level of spirituality in your life. If you were not ready for it, then you would have just been immersed and identified with everything he was saying and you would have got into a, a conversation or maybe in a debate, you know? So, yeah, it's yeah. your being talking to you like, hey, there's something here. Uh, you, you're going to refine your process, uh, your own understanding now as a person. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I would say personally, if Zen is incorporated properly in our lives, Zen is the clarity uh, that allows us to see ourselves for who we really are and really understand ourselves. Sometimes when we purposely try to look for something it's difficult because we're not looking at the reality. So this is why first, the ability to relax the physical body, relax the thoughts, relax the emotions, and find this stillness inside ourselves, this allows some clarity in order to see ourselves. And then afterwards, out of meditation, also have the willpower to do Zen. Zen meaning do exactly what is required of you in any situation. Do exactly what is required in any situation. And you'll find that when you live from a state of Zen, of perfect clarity and awareness and using willpower, then you'll instantly begin to observe the elements in you that do not want to do Zen. And those things are ego, right? Those things are the the part, the movements inside that are not Zen. And then you can just clearly see it. So the process of seeing ourselves is something actually very uh, simple. But first, we do need that Zen as a foundation or as like a clear looking glass. Otherwise, if there's too much confusion, too much uh, self-doubt, uh, too much anxiety, too much fear, then there's no clear looking glass, we right? Hmm. And uh, recently I've been thinking about, uh, you know, the ego's attachments to words. And uh, I was going for a walk today and it just hit me when I was just sort of hearing my own internal chatter. I'm like, what is it with words? Like, why am mm. I so attached to words? And, mm. um, you know, I think really you know, words have a sort of like allure of certainty and like truth to them. But I just maybe wanted to get some of your thoughts about like, you know, yeah, what the ego basically sees in like words or any sort of like symbolic uh, language. Hmm. Yeah, the words or the word, right? Beginning of the Bible and creation. It's really talking about the highest aspect of magic, which is the word which is our, the, the vibration that comes from our words. So it's not something uh, like we should hate words. It's just that what words are we listening to? And that's why they're also called spelling, to spell words, right? They are spells. It is magic. So 
it's really, really important. Uh, and it's a great realization, a great sort of satori to realize. And also it's a doorway to inner silence as well. To get the mind, at least, we all need to get to this point, to get the mind to agree that words and thinking is pointless, really. And true intelligence comes beyond words. But until then, words are very, uh, very alluring, as you said. And yeah, it's something uh, we really, really need to be aware of. What are the words that I say in my life? And what do I believe in, right? We have to be very careful of the words that we say uh, and that we say to others. As I, I think I made a video on it, the sort of average black magic that everyone has, this black magician that we all have inside us, is something real. And it, it begins as something as simple as if two parents have a child and they tell that child, you're useless and good for nothing, those very simple words can ruin an entire human being's life if they believe in that word, right? And yeah, that's a, an act of black magic, right? So we have to understand how powerful our words are. And then, of course, understand the thoughts that we have inside because all of those spells, all of those words are creating our inner world, are creating a dream reality. And if we really, really want to go beyond dreaming, if we really, really want to awaken, we have to go beyond all of the dreams and all of the spells that have been casted and not underestimate them as well. Because we might think, okay, I'll do Zen meditation and be silent, inner silence. It's not, that's impossible. Frankly, we cannot be inner silent without self-knowledge. We can't have this inner silence without self knowledge, self-knowledge of the kind of words that have been casted onto our consciousness that keeps it totally asleep. So this is why ego comprehension is so important. Ego comprehension equals comprehension of the words and the spells that have been casted uh, onto our consciousness, which conditions our behaviors, conditions our thinking, right? There's one level is uh, our thinking, right? But that even isn't where the, the words have been casted. Those are just a just an effect of the consciousness being conditioned by many, many words that we have been listening to and conditioned by throughout our whole life and also past lives as well. So yeah, yeah it's a really important point, what you said. Uh, speaking of sacrifice, some people think that life is one big lesson. Right, it is. It, this is our school of life. So uh, that every repeating type of relationship is a karmic relationship. A lot of our relationships, not all of them, I believe, uh, but definitely those relationships that spark a lot of emotion and ego, uh, you'll find that if you investigate internally uh, they can be related to past lives to karmic relationships so um yeah life is a big lesson other people have lessons for us and not not um you know sometimes they're not from past lives sometimes it's just that 
remember that we have to dissolve the elements within us that keep us asleep and conditioned. And if we're not doing a very good job of that on our spiritual path, if there's something within us that we have not seen, then you can be sure on your path, if you're walking it very well, that someone eventually is going to come into your life who has the precise and exact right ego complex within them that is going to bring out these ego patterns within us in order to, for us to finally see it and face it directly. So it's going to be someone in our life that is going to uh, provoke ego inside us so that we can observe it. It doesn't mean that externally we act on it or express it or behave on it. It's just that we feel it and observe it. Of course, if we're not present, if we're not self-observing, then it's going to express unconsciously. But assuming that you're on a very uh, stable practice, then you'll just simply be able to observe it and uh, be able to commune with that person uh, in, a, in a deep way. And then could be healing for both of you. Well, I think I said this in the Capricorn video about the true meaning of astrology and zodiac. It's just totally mechanical and it keeps us totally asleep when we identify with a certain zodiac. We really need to go beyond that. You asked, uh, should we eradicate our attachment to the zodiac or must we accept? We have to work with both because we have to honor that the zodiacal archetypes and these energies and the different planets are governing a certain mechanical, nature is mechanical, right? It's a machine, it's a mechanicity, it's the coding in the matrix. If you want to go beyond the matrix, you have to understand the coding, right? So we have to, ex of course, accept, but also comprehend the matrix, comprehend the zodiacs in order to go beyond them. And of course, if we can't comprehend them or go beyond them if we are attached to them and identified with them. We simply need to study them, but with the aim of transcending the mechanicity, right? So it's, it's totally useless. If a person says that, okay, I am Leo, therefore Leo should uh, shine in parties, uh, be prideful, dress a certain way, be an actor, be totally uh, like, uh, like exuberant, then this is totally ego. It's totally asleep uh, and the person's not going to benefit spiritually at all from this. So this is why Samael teaches a very, and this is what you've been seeing in the Zodiac series, uh, he teaches a very, very good, he talks about this in, in uh, one of his books about the Zodiac, you know, all of this. And he says that the Zodiac just needs to be totally practical. We need to leave the theories, uh, the identifications, and we just need to begin to know ourselves more deeply and just use it as a tool in order to know ourselves. And that's it, really. Multitasking is a dogma of culture. And I don't think it's necessary at all to multitask. I think it's better to do exactly what we're supposed to do in the moment. As I said before, Zen, do exactly what is required of you. If you would like to measure how awake you are and how conscious you are, in the present moment, become aware of your inner state. For example, if you're cooking food, but you're thinking of something else, then you're totally asleep, right? Cook the food, do exactly what you're supposed to be doing and don't do anything else. 
And this is, in a way, if you, if you understand this, the key is right there. It is to bring pure, pure attention to whatever we're doing from moment to moment. So in this way, if, you, if one can learn to cook food with their full, undivided, uninterrupted attention, that person can be good at astral projection. That person can be good at meditation. That person can be good at, at overcoming the ego, right? <laughs> Probably, maybe it doesn't make sense to some of you, you know? Uh, this ability to give our full attention to whatever we're doing, whether we're at work, whether we're talking to someone, give full attention. It's very, very rare to meet someone where their attention is pure. It's there like a blazing sun. Usually, it's just totally darkened by other preoccupations of what they watched on the news, of what their drama is with their wife or friends, uh, what their uh, spiritual beliefs is, thinking about all the spiritual books that they have in their awareness, you know? But just to practice complete aware, simple awareness here and now. Yeah, I, I could probably talk on maybe some benefits of, of multitasking, but I don't feel like... I feel that it's better to promote, uh, what should we call it, just tasking <laughs> or one-pointed tasking. What's what our culture, that's what society needs to learn. One-pointed tasking. Everyone is uh, promoting multitasking and that's ego, really. So I would say focus more on one-pointed tasking because then if you can do that, like multitasking then, it does become easy. Uh, but first, if you want to truly multitask, better that you gather your awareness. <laughs> but I haven't asked, I haven't read the rest of your question, so. I ask this from the standpoint of there isn't enough time in the day to be present in every activity that I do. There isn't enough time in the day to be present in every, every activity that I do. Are you sure? Right? You can. It is possible to be present in every activity that you do. Because in one reality, like imagine that God is watching you throughout your day. He's seeing, he's there, present with you. But the only thing that's in the way is the mind and it's thinking too much. So that's my encouragement for you. It is possible to be present in every activity we do. The thing is about being present we like to believe being present is something else. Like, okay, in order to be present, I have to behave a certain way. No, you can be present doing absolutely anything. Pre being present is just to, means just to be completely aware internally and externally of, of everything that is happening in the experience of your life, the outer sensations and the inner sensations. So it's possible. It takes practice, uh, but it, it's worth it, you know? Um, Example, when I'm hiking, I'm thinking about a dream or situation I could have handled better. Exactly, right? When you're hiking, hike. Don't think about dreams or situations you could have handled better. If you want to comprehend them, then make some time for meditation uh, and look at the video that was uh, just posted before. Then you can have Zen in that moment in order to use the mind fully to then comprehend a dream or situation that you could have handled better. But if you're hiking, hike. <laughs> better to hike, right? So um, at other times I'm thinking or... Singing a mantra is fine, I would say. 
uh, sometimes it helps you be a bit more present, especially when the mind is so dense and there's so much, uh, so much energy that, that it's making it hard to be present, like you said. So sometimes singing a mantra is fine, you know. Be aware of yourself singing the mantra and also be aware of your, your outer surroundings. So, And I'm not saying it's bad to think about a, a situation you could have handled better. It's just that most likely I'm assuming that when you're hiking, your awareness be, is being fully absorbed and identified in uh, thinking about how you could have handled a situation better. But it is possible to think about it and also be present. It's just that don't be caught up in it. Don't be identified with it. But this comes with time and patience and mastery. And uh, it's better, again, like I said, focus on one-pointed tasking instead of multitasking. And do Zen. Do exactly what you're doing in the moment. If you're showering, shower. If you're eating, eat. If you're meditating, meditate. It's good training. We really need to uh, practice that. I recently had some professional success, which I shared with some friends. Uh, but when I left my friends gathering, I felt some negative energy lingering in me, particularly from one friend who's not going through a good time job-wise. I was able to separate his energy from mine. Right. Like I said at the beginning of this, um, we're all black magicians in the beginning, really. And as soon as we have a negative thought about someone, uh, if you're very sensitive, you can feel it. And if it's affecting you, then it means that you have not comprehended something within yourself. You have an ego within yourself that is resonating with that person, right? If you were more awake, you would have been more mindful not to perhaps maybe talk about your success too much uh, because you would have been more aware, more careful. But um, yeah, it's generally good to have protection for this reason, uh, to have mantras, visualizations, uh, and all the techniques that we give, uh, you know, to protect ourselves because... People are not reliable, even if they're our closest friends. Uh, most friends have ego and uh, they can, yeah, I mean, there can be negative energy there. And again, it's not about avoiding negative energy. The, the important thing, it's good. I think it's good, you know, really. If someone insults us, if someone sends us bad energy, negative energy, good, be grateful. Because that teaches us, that shows us uh, something uh, within us that we can comprehend. It's a good test for us. If someone comes up to me and says like, oh, Gene, your, your videos are, you know, absolutely terrible. It's the work of Satan or, you know, they're sending me stuff like, I, will be, I would be very grateful. I receive way too much praise for my videos. I would be more grateful if someone could say, could uh, tell me how rubbish my videos are and tell me how much uh, like satanic work I'm doing and things like this, because that's good test. I would like to see, you know, if... It's better to test ourselves and comprehend if we have elements of anger and jealousy and uh, ambition and uh, pride and things like this, rather than always just trying to have like nice inner silence, feeling nice all the time and uh, being peaceful, right? So yeah, be, be grateful, right? Love, your, love thy neighbor or what is it? Love thy enemy. Uh, yeah. Well, you can observe, you know, if you plan in your mind, and this is why I kind of said earlier, for meditation, it is best not to plan it. It is best to live more present in the moment and meditate when we feel like it. Like we really feel it in our heart. If we do feel it in our heart, the actual benefit to it, we would meditate like at least three times a day. 
because we would observe the mind and its its heaviness and denseness, and uh, we would know, just like a, a janitor knows to uh, clean a corridor, we would know that we need to go and meditate. But you can observe if you plan to meditate. There's going to be a big force that's working against you that won't want to meditate. Why? Because the ego doesn't want to die. The ego never always feels as if it wants life. It wants to be alive. It wants to be. It wants to thrive in the body. So it's difficult. Uh, you need a bit of uh, discipline, but it's worth it. And if you actually sit down and meditate and, and do a good meditation afterwards, you'll feel like, ah, oh, I feel a lot better. <laughs> you know. So yeah. And of course, I mean, this is if there is anxiety, if there is laziness, things like this. This is something you can also use for more active meditation, for uh, conscious imagination meditation. In order to go into meditate, you know, like the the video that was post posted earlier, go into meditation, relax the three minds, uh, do some pranayama, get into a, a, an equilibrated, centered state, and then. Use the mind to retrospect to, with the intention of comprehending this anxiety, of comprehending why we don't want to meditate. And then if we really are patient and persevere, not through thinking, but through reflecting and just observing without identifications, with total detachment and total trust in, in the, that the wisdom will come to us, then we can start to understand ourselves much deeper and then next time we won't have so much problems with anxiety or, or laziness uh, before meditation. But in the beginning, of course, it takes a lot of discipline and, and just push ourselves a little bit. Uh, but over time, it gets easier, you know. Yeah, it doesn't always have to be pushing ourselves. Uh, like, yeah, it can be natural too. What videos are you planning? I've not really planned anything, to be honest. Um, I just came back from Guatemala and I'm just, just enjoying the freedom uh, of not planning things and uh, just keeping my mind fresh, you know. The more plans we have in life, the more dead life becomes, really. <laughs> and uh, it's better to live without plans um, because if we make a plan for our life, how boring is that, right? I'm going to marry my wife, have these kids, do this career, climb the ladder, uh, get retire and die. I mean, what's the wisdom in that? <laughs> you know. So, if we want real wisdom, uh, we have to we have to kill all of the plans uh, and have the courage to live freely in the mind. It doesn't mean that we, you know, go to Guatemala and, and live uh, completely without structure. It's just that internally we we learn to live free, and that's a lot more beautiful. Uh, and a lot more, it creates a much more better in, inner atmosphere and inner environment for us to comprehend ourselves and actually do this work and, and meditate and uh, have the courage and the will and the daringness to know spiritual truth in our life directly.